All right. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to finish up chapter 1 today. And we're going to do, uh, you know, the book of Philippians isn't really, really long. and uh, But we are going to be uh, going through that. We'll get about half of it done. And then we're going to shift to Palm Sunday and Easter, uh, Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday. And so we are getting invite cards ready for that. They will, the plan is to get them printed this week, and you can have them in your hands next week and begin handing them out. And uh, so just our schedule of events for that Sunday, April 17th, will be um, sunrise service at 6.30, all right, out at the back here by the fire pit. All right, Chris is going to come and get the fire pit all ready to roll. I think he's still working there. So, um, and then at um, eight o'clock will be breakfast. So the men, the men are going to do that. So we are, we'll have a, some sign-up sheets at the welcome table there. Uh, we usually have people help out with the eggs, and um, if somebody has a connection to farmland for the sausage links, we just need one case. I think we'll do it. So, if you're able to do that, that'd be awesome. Um, and so then juice and stuff. So we'll, we'll do the men's breakfast at 8 o'clock. And then at um, 10 o'clock will be our normal celebration service. And we'll do uh, focus on Easter there. And then afterwards, they will have a photo booth. And then we have the egg hunt out here. And let's see what else do we have going. And there will probably be some candy involved in there and stuff too. So um, so the Andy will be working with that to get the egg hunt. And uh, so... Those are some of the things we have coming up for Easter, which is about a month away. So that'll be here quicker than we realize. So those are some of the things. All right, we are going to be in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. We covered the first 11 verses last week, um, talking about advancing the gospel requires confidence, partnership. Uh, what else did we say here? I got it here. Abounding love. So that was even talked about in the passage Sharonda read. We need that abounding love towards one another and then discernment, all right? Uh, discerning what is not only good, but what is best. And the book I was thinking of was Good to Great. I don't know. Yes, that was the one I was thinking about. All right. So we are going to be uh, verse 12. And so Philippians is a letter, if you can think of it that way, okay? It's a letter, a long letter. You know, I don't know if any of you write these long of letters. Uh, we still get a Christmas card from a family up in North Dakota where we lived and pastored. Um, some people that became friends, they never did attend the church, but we developed a relationship with them, friendship with them. And so she will sit down and she writes us a handwritten Christmas card, and sometimes it's four or five pages long, all right? She writes down all the family events and puts it in the mail. I, I just think that just really communicates a lot, doesn't it? Um, and sends it to us. So in similar fashion, Paul is writing to this church in Philippi. The church was started on his second missionary journey. You can find all that in the book of Acts, okay? And he ends up there in the, this first town. Um, they want to go into Asia. They want to go north into Asia, and God closes the door, whatever that means. We don't know. All we know is that God is saying you can't go there. And so they end up, you know, I think Paul is saying, where do you want me to go? And he has a vision. And it's of this man calling them to Macedonia. And so they get on the ship the next day and they end up in Philippi. And then they go to Corinth, Thessalonica, uh, Athens, and all those areas there. Um, 
but Philippi would be that first stop, and uh, some key people get saved, come to know Christ uh, as they get there, and uh, actually provide for lodging and meals for them, I believe. And um, this church in Philippi, though, would be just a key um, church in supporting Paul on as he would go from place to place. They would send offerings, they would pray for him. And even when he's in prison, as he's writing this, they sent people there to help take care of his needs. Isn't that pretty cool? They were invested. And so last week we talked about that idea of partnership, that word koinonia, that it means that, hey, it's more than just a casual relationship. It means that we're invested in this and doing all that we can to help partner with somebody to advance the gospel. All right? And so that's going to come up a little bit more in these next few verses, that idea of partnership. So we're going to look at verses 12 through 18. Um, and build on this last part. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you that it is quick, it is powerful, it is sharp. It is able to speak to our lives, Lord, to help us to grow into you, how to live our lives, Lord, to know what is uh, not only good, but what is best for our life, Lord, um, to walk in ways that are eternal and lead to eternal life. We give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Verses 12 through 18 is where we're going to begin. So let's look at that together. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters. So when we use that term brothers and sisters, he's not just talking about other people, um, unsaved people or people that don't know Christ. He's talking about people that know Christ. So that that's a terminology that we would use. And um, I don't know if we use that as much anymore, you know, but you go to some churches, they'll still say that they'll. You know, the men, they'll say, hey, how are you doing, brother? Or ladies, how are you doing, sister? All right. So it talks about the relationship in Christ. What he goes, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me actually has served to advance the gospel. Well, what has happened? What has happened? What big event has happened that Paul's writing about? He's been arrested. He's in prison, right? That's a bad thing, isn't it? What has happened has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare, uh, dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and others out of rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that Christ, uh, the important thing is that in every way, whether false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Isn't that incre- incredible? Paul says, you know what? Hey, I'm in prison. I've been put in chains. And if you go back in the book of Acts again, you'll see he gets finishes up his third missionary journey. He ends up in Jerusalem. And he's falsely accused. And there's certain Jews that want him dead. I mean, they just don't want him thrown in jail. They want him dead. Some even took a, a, a pack. And they... Um, said, hey, we're going to fast until he is murdered, all right? And they find about the, out about the plan, and so then it, it's averted, and he's t- sent off to another town where he is safe, and he goes on trial. 
he ends up in Rome, okay? But Paul is saying, you know what? Um, this has all worked to the advancement of the gospel. You ever had bad things in your life happen? And you go, man, God, what are you doing, God? We always kind of look at it and say, maybe God's mad at me, right? I don't know if that's what you think. That's what I sometimes think, right? Maybe God's mad at me or I've done something wrong. But have you ever seen it where God allows you to go through trials so that the gospel can be advanced through your life? That's what was happening through Paul. Um, instead of his imprisonment hindering or stopping the advancement of the gospel, it was actually opening up doors for him to share his faith. Who is he sharing his faith to? Well, he gets a free trip to Rome. All right, how many have been to Rome? See, I haven't been, right? He got a free, all-the-way paid trip to Rome, right? And he got free lodging on top of it. Yeah, right? Free meals. How, how can he beat that, right? And he also had an audience that couldn't go anywhere, right? He had fellow prisoners that were there. They couldn't go anywhere, so they had to listen to him, share Christ with them. He had soldiers that were there keeping guard on him. They, were, they couldn't go anywhere, so he'd share Christ with them. And the message spread throughout all the palace guards, not that just Paul was in prison, but why he was in prison for his faith in Christ. They wanted to know, hey, did you hear about Paul, why he's here? And the word began to spread about who Christ was. Kind of unique, isn't it? But I think it helped, it's a good perspective for us. And Paul even says, you know what? Because of what I am going through, other believers have confidence to share their faith too. Right? They're emboldened to share Christ because they see that even in the midst of difficulty, I am sharing my faith. And when I, when I read this, confidence is... Confidence leaks from our lives. Confidence is catchy, okay? If, if the leader has confidence, it bleeds over into other people. And if you don't believe that, look at Ukraine, okay? Their leader is leading in very difficult circumstances. And to my knowledge, the last I look, he's still living. Is that right? He's still leading, right? But his confidence and his, his uh, strength in leadership during this time has been pretty incredible. And because of that, his people, his people are doing the same, Right? They're standing up under incredible odds and um, standing up for their country. Confidence um, is catchy that way. And so Paul says th there's other believers that have confidence. Now, not everybody has pure motives. Some of them see, didn't like Paul, you know, right? They didn't like Paul. And they thought, oh, he's in prison. I'm going to take advantage of Paul being in prison, and I'm going to preach Christ because he's in prison. And Paul says, you know what? Whether it's out of good motives or bad motives, guess what? Christ is being preached. Amen? So, what is the bottom line here? Point number one, perseverance under trial advances the gospel. Perseverance under trial advances the gospel. And I, and I want to bring this to a personal level because there are going to be moments and times in your own life where you're going to go through a trial in your life. And maybe people know that you're a Christian, but when they see you go through that trial in your life and they see your faith and strength in that moment, it's, much, it's amplified. Your witness is magnified and amplified at a much greater level. And they say, you know what? Their Christian faith isn't just on the surface. It's deep because even in the midst of this difficulty, there's faith, there's strength, there's joy, there's peace. And it communicates to other people that, hey, I want what they have. 
Because when I go through those times, I don't have that. I, I have d- despair and disappointment and depression. But they have joy and a peace. I want to know what that is. Your witness, and as much as, you know, I don't wish suffering upon anyone here. I don't wish health issues. I don't wish uh, financial struggles or family issues or, or anything to happen to our country or to our nation. But I can guarantee you that in these midst of these trials, the sufferings, that's when our witness is the brightest. Amen? And um, so, perseverance under trial advances the gospel. Number two, let's look at verses 19 through 26. It says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of, of uh, Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So there's a couple theories there. Some, um, some think that he is released, but then he is ultimately arrested again, and then he is executed. Um, so we don't know if there was one imprisonment or two. We really don't know. There's two theories there. Um, but he says he had hope that he was going to be delivered. And I am eagerly uh, expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but I have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21. This one should be underlined in your Bible. Don't be afraid to mess up your Bible. Hope you're not. And if you have an electronic, just, you know, hit that. There's usually a highlight button there. You can, you know, highlight that portion. But it should be highlighted or underlined. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We'll unpack that a little more. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Okay? So if he remains living, many more people are going to come to know Christ. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart, in other words, for God to take me home and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with you all. With you, you all. Where did that come from? The southern version there. Continue with uh, you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that by being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on the account of me. You know what? Paul's depending on their prayers and the help of Jesus Christ to carry them through. There's that idea of partnership again. That was important to them. Okay? And regardless of the outcome, Paul is confident that Christ will be glorified either in his death or through his release. Um, but to live is Christ. What does Paul mean by that? To live is Christ. What are some of the things that Christ went through? He saw a lot of fruitful labor, didn't he? Right? Crowds, miracles. But he also walked that way to Golgotha and died on a cross for us, right? It was a way of suffering. And Paul says to live is Christ. In other words, there is some suffering if you're going to proclaim Christ. Sometimes it's embraced and other times it is not. And, and, and Paul realized that there were cities he would go into and he was welcomed. But there's other t- a lot of places he had to leave in the cover of night or he had to run for his life. Because they wanted to kill him. Because he was preaching Christ. Um, And so Paul says, 
for me to live is Christ. I want to go to 2 Corinthians, and Chris will have this up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 29. I think it helps us understand what some of the things that Paul went through. He said, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. You know, the 39 lashes on his back, whipped. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. 26, oh, that's verse 26. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger of bandits, in danger of fellow Jews, in danger of Gentiles, in danger of the, in the city, danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger of false believers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is not led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? You, you sense what Paul's gone through? And he says, you know what? For me to live is Christ, to take up that cross and to follow him. And, and so he, he says, I'm torn between the two. He says, man, I'd love to depart and be with Christ and be in his presence. But he goes, it's more important that I stay for the time being to share Christ. Um, the second principle that I see there is that faithful service advances the gospel. You know, faithfulness it goes right in with that perseverance, but, you know, it's not really hard to be faithful when things are good, but when things are difficult, that's when it's hard to be faithful. And there's that analogy of putting your hands to the plow, right? And you don't let go. You keep your hands to the plow, and we should understand that in Nebraska, right, what that means? Keep our hands to the plow and be faithful. And, you know, I, I look at, um, my dad did that a little bit. I mean, well, he didn't have the plow. He had um, probably a little more updated equipment back in that day. But you look at the fields today, right? And they are just straight as an arrow. Why? Because they have GPS, right? It's all programmed. They just, it's all GPS coordinated. But when my dad, they had to learn how to, to plow a straight row, right, Gary? You had to learn how to do that. You had to fix your eyes on that one spot and, uh, and do that. Probably the closest we get to that today in our day and age is when you look at people's yards. I don't know if guys do that, but, you know, is there straight lines or not, right? right? Or sometimes it's kind of like, oh, they had too much there, right? <laughs> um, um, our son Daniel is probably the best at knowing the yard. He always had those straight lines. So, um, but you have to keep your eyes on the focus of Christ and keep your hands to the plow, that faithful idea of faithful service. You know, and I, I just think of what we've gone through. So today basically marks two years, right? You realize that when services were shut down in, in the COVID, right? It was two years basically today that that happened. And, um, and so we've come out of that. It's kind of like whew, we're done with COVID maybe. I don't know if China's getting it again. Um, I don't think we will. But but now we go into this, you know, inflation stuff and Ukraine. And it's kind of like we have to be faithful in the service that God has called us to. Amen? Galatians 6, 9. So Galatia was kind of Paul's first missionary journey and second. But he says something very key there in verses 6. Chapter 6, verse 9, he says, do not, do not let us become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen? And I believe as we approach Easter and we go into the summer, I believe there's a harvest there, folks. But 
we can't be weary. And, we, and if we are weary, we don't. It's, it's not because we're lazy. It's because we've come through a lot as a people, right? And so we have to be resilient in this way and trust God for his strength, his provision, that he's going to carry us through and that he's going to give us that harvest if we're faithful. Amen? Let's go 27 through 30. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a worthy manner, manner worthy of the gospel. Then whether I come to see you or I, or I can't, only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith. Do you like that idea? We're all pulling together, right, of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who will pay oppose you. This is a sign to them that they have they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ to not only believe in him, but to also... Wow. We don't like to read that part. Can we just delete that part? Yeah. But Paul was being realistic there. There will be suffering when we follow Christ. And since you have been going through some the same struggle, and I kind of looked at this, so they must have been experiencing some difficulties too. And it's even possible that maybe some of them were being arrested in their city in Philippi. Or, or they were being mistreated by some of these people we called the Judaizers. They were Jews that were op opposed the gospel message. They, they still believed in circumcision and all the Jewish traditions and the rules. They were the rule people. And they saw Christ as a threat to that. He says, suffering is going to be part of it. And you share the same struggle as I have. And now here, I still have. The third point, there's worthy conduct advances the gospel. So what does worthy conduct look like? It means living a moral and ethical life. And I think that can get a little blurry in our day and age. What is moral and ethical? Do I look at what my neighbor's doing or my friend's doing? Is that my judge of what moral is and not moral? Right? It can easily become that. What Scripture says is that his standard of right living is found in his word. That doesn't change. And so that must be our code of ethics of what we see as right and wrong. It affects and impacts our thoughts, our actions, our speech, our behavior, it should impact all of our life, what we do, to live a life worthy of the, of the gospel. And then he's taught, we're all working together as one, right? And so you, I had you link arms. Did I, have you, I had you link arms last week, right? Okay, do it again. All right, find somebody to link arms with. All right, okay. But you're all working together as one, right? Come on, Lizzie, come on. All right, link arms, all right. Okay, you're all linked up. All right. But we're all working together as this is one, right? To further Christ. Amen. You can be done. All right. We're working together towards a common goal and a purpose. Amen. And Paul realized he couldn't do it all himself. He needed the people of Philippi to be there praying for him helping him out financially, even taking care of his needs while he was in prison. They were all in this together. And that is still, even just as here in Crete, you know, I'd be pretty foolish to think that um, Pastor Brent could do it all or, or, or Amy. Or it takes all of us, right? 
whether it's Easter or just e every Sunday. I mean, you know, people are here early, and I see the tamales are steaming. All right? They are hot. All right? I, uh, they are. They're steaming. Um, it takes all of us, you know? So there's tamales there. That's a fundraiser for Speed Delight. Speed Delight is it helps buy cars and other modes of transportation so that missionaries can do what God has called them to do. So I talked with the missionary in South America this summer, this past summer, and the only way, I think they're in Peru, and the only way they can get to the cities where they go is by boat. That's, there's no roads to where they go, so they just use a boat to go up and down the river systems, and that's how they connect with the people to share Christ with them. So in some cases, it's a boat. In some places, it could be a dirt bike because there isn't, again, good enough roads that they can take a car, but they can take a dirt bike. Um, and, and so it can be other modes, but it helps them to take the gospel. So, But I, I did help organize some of that. But um, on Saturday, right, yesterday, you guys made them. Mary Beth coordinated it, and the girls did that. Sierra, right? Did she yell, Sierra? She didn't yell, huh? All right, okay. <laughs> so um but it takes us all of us working together right to get a common goal and to reach that god has given us the command go into all the world make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen the church is not a club. I think sometimes we can think the club is, the church is a club like some other, the Rotary Club or uh, Kiwanis or whatever the case may be. It's not a club. It is a group of believers that have been called out from this world to belong to Christ, to further his mission here on earth. To live as Christ means that um, there's going to be many blessings along the way, such as peace, provision, joy, the hope of heaven. Paul had all those things, and even in the midst of prison, that did not steal his joy, folks. In fact, it proved to advance the gospel. So, you know what? I would pray for each of you that God's face shines upon you and he blesses you. I believe that is God's ultimate plan. But I also know that there are times that we go through su times of suffering. But understand, if I'm walking with God, it is an opportunity for His light to shine out of my life. Amen? It's a time for Him to be glorified. Amen. I'm going to have the musicians come. You know, there is a... I like the term camaraderie. It's a military term, right? But to me, that's what really captures that idea of partnership, the koinonia in Scripture. It's camaraderie. The, when people go to battle in the military, they're not focused in on, okay, this guy has a different personality than me, or this guy likes tacos and I like steak. I mean, um, he's from Virginia and I'm from Alabama. They're not focused on those things. He's white, I'm black. He's Hispanic. I'm Asian. They're not focused on those things. They're focused on the common goal, right? Those other things that really are peripheral anyway fall to the back and we're focused on one thing. And Paul is writing to a church. There's Jews, there's Gentiles, there's rich, 
Lydia, I think, was a very wealthy woman. She's one of the first converts, and I believe she was invested heavily in what Paul did. She made that purple cloth. It was very, cost a lot of money. But I believe once she came to know Christ, she became a great partner with Paul, not only in her prayer, but of her time, her talents, her wealth. And she furthered the kingdom. And Paul understood that he needed that church in Philippi to join arms with him and that they were partnering with him. And as he went from place to place, so was the church in Philippi. They were there with him. Even though they weren't there in person, they were with him in spirit. Amen? And I think that's a beautiful picture of what God is still in, in, doing in his church today. And, um, you know, we've had missionaries here. We had Luke and Bethany here with us. And we have Michael Headley. And, you know, he's getting into some opportunities in schools. And Malcolm, man, they're just, they're, they're knocking it out of the park there in Malcolm. Uh, 100 and some kids? 120 kids that are being ministered through child evangelism. That's just cool. It's cool on a weekly basis. That's very good. Amen. Amen. Would you stand this morning? We're going to close with that chorus, Waymaker. And uh, if you need prayer this morning, um, I'll be up here. Paul, Gary, can you help me up front as well over here? And uh, we'll pray just for needs and requests. Lizzie, I'm going to give you that spot there. If you need prayer this morning and um, whatever the need requests, sometimes I get asked, why, why do we have prayer up front? Well, it's just maybe you're going through a, a crisis in your own home and you just want to join together with other people and we're going to agree together. Our prayers aren't more powerful than anybody else's. It just means we're going to join hands with you and pray with you in faith. Um, either it's for health or crisis or difficulties. Maybe it's for somebody to come to know Christ. Um, but if you have a need this morning, we invite you to come up during the song. And uh, we're going to sing this song together. And uh, first let me pray. Father, your word speaks to us, Lord God. And we pray that um, um, these are just the words of a man this morning. But Lord God, I believe that your spirit is here and you're able to take these words that I spoke and to allow them to penetrate our hearts in ways that I couldn't even imagine because your spirit is here to work in the lives of people to change and transform to lift us up Lord God and so Lord I pray for your spirit to be at work in our lives to speak into us Lord God Lord you've given us you've given us a command that doesn't sound like too strong of a word but it's a commission to let Christ shine through us, to share Christ as we go with the world around us, at work, at home, as we go out and about our business, to share Christ at athletic events. The list goes on. Father, you give us those opportunities to share Christ. And I pray that you would give us confidence as to share that faith through Paul's witness, through the witness of others, but give us confidence to share that faith and to be the light you've called us to be. And, Lord God, if we don't know you as our Lord and our Savior, today is our day, Lord, to put our faith and trust in you. Nobody should leave without that hope of salvation this morning, not knowing if, if they would die or if you would take us home that we don't know if we'd go to heaven or not. We can know today 
by putting our faith in you, by accepting you as our Lord and our Savior, saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. We can know today that we have that hope. So, Lord God, be with us and um, speak to our hearts and our lives. In your name we pray. We pray that you would um, be working in our lives, Lord God. And as the events happen in Paul's life, he's arrested and treated unfairly and even brutally in some situations, Lord God. He had to be wondering, God, why is this happening? How are you going to use this? But because of his imprisonment and his arrest, he was able to speak before the top rulers of the day in the land. And he was able to share Christ and his testimony went to places that it never would have went if he was free. And Lord God, I know there's requests here this morning and just answers to prayer. And some of them, we just don't know, God, how you're going to work everything out. But as the song says, Lord God, you are working in ways that we sometimes don't understand or can't see. We don't want to see the solution, but Lord God, we give it to you, Father. We pray uh, for your, your working transforming power, Lord God. We live by faith. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise, and we ask in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Okay, so we have a birthday that is, what day is it, Tuesday? Is that what I hear? Okay, so someone very special's birthday is Tuesday, and there was a request made for a certain song. So, if we can all sing happy birthday to Pastor Brent. Um, yeah, I believe there's a card, and we all just wish you a very happy birthday. So, everybody, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Brent. Happy So, Karen, this would have been the good year to have the, the jail. I'd have tied in with the message. <laughs> but thanks for not. 